When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready growing competitive market which is why i have an opportunity for you check out the break junkies on instagram at the break junkies partnered with sports card media at sports card mania 305 or sportscardmania.net find a variety of box collections with all the top brands such as panini tops prism and more for every sport they even have a large assortment of pokemon packs and funko pops Every stream has giveaways and affordable breaks when you watch the Break Junkies on Instagram. So give them a follow at the Break Junkies and inquire about their inventory today when you go to sportscardmania.net, the number one source for your collection. This is the MD's Fantasy Football Show with Dan Mader. And welcome, MD Nation, to the show. You're watching the MD's Fantasy Football Show live on BellyUp TV, at BellyUp.TV, on your favorite device, and of course, powered by Tiki Live. We're available to you on the Roku channel. If you download the BellyUp Sports Roku channel, we'll be available to you there and after the show on your favorite pod streaming app. Don't forget to subscribe to the MD's Fantasy Football Show YouTube channel to catch every single piece of content that can possibly head your way. But we have a great show for you tonight. It's Wednesday night. We have a new episode in store. We are continuing on the consistency grades that we began a few weeks ago. If you want to go back and listen to the quarterback consistency grades and the running back consistency grades, please do so on our YouTube channel or on your favorite podcast app. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater. So we've got the wide receivers today. 
That's what we're going over. The wide receiver consistency grades, a little bit of a recap of 2021, a little bit of a preview of 2022 and beyond with some dynasty tidbits for you guys as well. So we have all that and more for you to look forward to. Now, when we go through the wide receivers, everybody has a storyline. We're not going to get to everybody tonight because we only have an hour to cover all of this, but we're going to do our best to get to one of the most important stories to talk about heading into uh, really next season and getting that real, you know, that real reality between the perception versus reality that you typically find, especially you go back and doing these consistent grades. This is one of the reasons why I love to go ahead and do them. So no wide receiver one shouldn't really come as a shock to anybody. It's Cooper cup. Yes. Cooper cup is the number one consistent wide receiver. He wasn't just the number one receiver overall. He was the number one consistent wide receiver. 94% of the time, he finished inside the top 24. Now, again, if you haven't been following us along on the quarterback and running back at Cincinnati Greats, we do them a little bit differently here at the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Okay, I, I, I look at finishes. I don't look at points scored necessarily from game to game because on the surface, you tell me, oh, receiver, he got me, I don't know, in a half point PPR, he got me 10 to 12 points. That's fine. But what if that particular week, that was a, you know, wide receiver 40 finish? Not that it necessarily would be, but what if it was a wide receiver 40 finish? Well, then that didn't help you that week. I'm only interested in the consistency of the players that helped you actually win each and every week. That's what we're interested in. So when I say start, it's a top 24. Why? Because the industry set up the industry format for now. The mainstream format is still two running backs, two wide receivers. I know there's a lot of leagues out there that have three receiver rosters plus a flex play, right? But we're basing it off of if you have two starting running backs, two wide receivers, and you have one flex play, we get to decide if you want to play that third running back or third receiver. So that's where that goes all into. That's why when you see the start, we'll put the graph here again for you guys who are watching on bellyup.tv. You'll see start and non-start percentages. Cooper Cup, 94% of the time, finished inside the top 24, only 6% of the time was he outside of that number. He was tremendous. We all know this. He was by far the wide receiver one. It wasn't even necessarily close. Second was Debo Samuel in half point PPR. Devontae Adams closely followed behind him. And he had 191 targets. He had 145 receptions. He had 19 47, 1,947 yards. He had 16 receiving touchdowns. It was just worth repeating those numbers again. Is he going to be able to duplicate that heading into 2022? No. Does anybody expect him to? No. This was an all-time type of season that Cooper Cup put together. But is he better than what he was in the years with Jared Goff? That answer is probably yes. With Matthew Stafford there, and as long as Stafford stays healthy, and I still worry about that back issue as he ages. But this is only the first season with Matthew Stafford. Yes, I think you're going to see a much more productive receiver than what we saw with Jared Goff. Does that necessarily mean record-breaking wide receiver one? The answer to that question is, is probably not quite to that level. And I'm not going to necessarily argue with anybody who wants to put Cooper Cup as their not wide receiver one 
if you want to make it Devontae Adams, depending upon the Aaron Rodgers situation or whoever, for that matter, I'm not going to argue with you because there is going to be expected regression. Robert Woods will be back and just being able to duplicate those kinds of numbers. It's just probably not going to happen again. Teams are going to probably key to just take Cooper Cup away and let the other players beat them. Not that he won't be a top five wide receiver. He will definitely be ranked within my top three. I don't know yet if he'll be my number one heading into 2022, but it just stands the reason that he's not necessarily locked in as the wide receiver one, I believe, heading into next season. And in Dynasty, he comes down a little bit further because he is a little bit on the older side, still within his prime years. It's not going to twist it or anything like that. But remember, he came out a little bit late. That's why, even though he hasn't been in the league quite as long as some of these other guys, he's already kind of up there in that prime receiver range. Now, I don't wouldn't want to trade a Cooper Cup. If you have a Cooper Cup, he's on your way to helping you win a championship. Only if the rest of your roster is completely decimated would I be looking to move on from a Cooper Cup to try to get some kind of value back for him in return. But otherwise, I, I don't think I would bother with that. That's all I'm going to say about him. He's awesome. He's great. But let's get into some of these other guys who are a little bit more interesting. There's a little bit more to talk about there. Like Debo Samuel, who is my number two on my consistency grade at 75%, he finishes inside the top 24. He had six finishes that was tied for second behind Cooper Cup in the top five. But a lot of this happened earlier on in the season. Okay. So with Debo Samuel, obviously he was fantastic, but his role changed a little bit as the season wore on. He had five or more carries from week nine on. And he was still the wide receiver four during that time. He was also the wide receiver four from weeks one through nine. So that that's pretty consistent, right? That, that gives us back to what we were doing. But his receiving consistently went down. Now, he was able to amplify that with the rushing. But this is what worries me with Debo Samuel heading into next season. He's probably going to be in a lot of people's top fives. I don't know if he's going to be in mine or not. This is the first year that Debo Samuel was not significantly hindered by injury. And he did miss one game, but that was it. That was the only game he missed. And that's the first time he's only missed one game due to injury. By the way, not just in his NFL career, but in his college career too. And if you're going to tell me that Debo Samuel is going to continue to play this wide back, as they would like to call it, this Cordell Patterson thing that we've seen uh, as of recently, I don't think that helps him stay healthy. If we look towards the playoffs, what do we see? Well, we saw him pretty much in a platoon situation with Elijah Mitchell. Now, there are some other factors that go into that, right? Jimmy Garoppolo had a, a sprained right shoulder, a, a right thumb that was hanging on by a thread. The 49ers were all about, they were just going to run, 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 and try to control the game and shorten it and lean on their defense as much as they possibly could. That was the game plan. So I don't think Debo Samuel averaging 10 carries a game like he was doing in the postseason is necessarily what we're going to see in the regular season next year. But you better hope it's not. Because if he doesn't get you the ball rushing, guess what? In those games where he has 10 carries, he's got three, four receptions for 30, 40 yards. He did, of course, he had the big game in the conference championship game through the air because he had that big, long touchdown reception that he turned into something. But that was it. I don't want to see Debo get 
the Cordell Patterson treatment to get eight to 10 carries plus, especially if they're going to give him a big contract. It's not going to help him stay healthy. He was the best shape he ever was his entire career. And while I'm not going to say that it's impossible for him to ever again be able to stay as healthy as he was this season, it is improbable when you look at his history. So it's just a cautionary tale before we get overly excited about Debo Samuel. Not to mention, one way or another, we're probably going to see a different quarterback than the Jimmy Garoppolo back there. I still have concerns about what Trey Lance is really going to be in the NFL, in particular with his accuracy. Everyone wants to say, like, oh, he's so accurate in college. FCS, not even, not even D1, FCS, North Dakota State, inferior competition. And I don't think he was all that accurate in the two starts. He didn't impress me in the two starts that he played this season. So there's a lot of things up in the air when it comes to Debo Samuel before you go and say to yourself, I got to get that guy. Now, here's what I will say, and I'll close Debo's conversation at this. If, if uh, the format leagues out there, so like the ESPN, the Yahoo's, the NFL's, wherever, sleepers, whoever, if they decide that they want to give Debo dual eligibility, as in being a running back and a wide receiver, that will change some things because having that flexibility with a player of that caliber will become very valuable. And I think, you know, whether it's as a wide receiver or as a running back, it's a guy that suddenly would put himself in the first round conversation, especially talking about half point, full point PPR league. So it will be a different conversation if they give him dual flexibility, which I don't think is out outside of the conversation. But I'm going to close it there with Debo Samuel. Let's move on. Let's move to our next guy. I want to talk about a little bit here. Justin Jefferson, 71% of the time he finishes inside the top 24. He had three top five finishes. And I don't think all that much changes. Do they have a new head coach in Kevin O'Connell? Yes, they do. But he comes from a same schematic family tree, if you will, from Kubiak, who is a you know a derivative of Mike Shanahan, who you know have Kyle Shanahan, we know Sean McVay stems from, and now you have Kevin O'Connell, who was there when Mike Shanahan was there in Washington, who coached Greg Kubiak. So I don't know how much of a different scheme we're gonna see. Maybe he's more pass conscious. But we already kind of see the Minnesota Vikings this past year. They threw the ball a bit more than they had in recent history. So you might see some different kind of play calling in different situations. But overall, the formations, the overall scheme itself, it's going to be pretty similar to what Minnesota is already running. And, you know, if you believe the coach and the GM as of this point, and it's hard to do that for anybody right now, but if you were to do that, the idea seems to be Kirk Cousins will get his opportunity to stay there and at least for Kevin O'Connell's first year as head coach and allow him to be a competitive team, especially if Aaron Rodgers to move on. The Vikings would have a nice opportunity in the division. It sounds like they want Kirk Cousins to stay there. So Justin Jefferson will have his quarterback. If anything, he'll have a coach who want to throw the ball a bit more, but without changing the scheme too much. Adam Thielen's getting a bit older, so how effective is he going to be? How often is he going to be able to stay on the field? And that could lead to more targets for Justin Jefferson. So everything just looking up from Jefferson from 2022 beyond a dynasty, probably the top five guy for me in both redraft and dynasty moving forward. So 
even though there's a change for Justin Jefferson, I don't think there's going to be much of one at the end of the day. Let's talk about Devontae Adams, who comes in at my wide receiver four overall when it comes to the consistency grades. 69% of the time, he finished in the top 24. Did have f- uh, six top five finishes. That was with Debo Samuel tied there for second most to only Cooper Cup there who had seven. Now, obviously, the big issue with trying to give any advice about Devontae Adams, whether it be for 2022 or beyond in dynasty leagues is of course, be your, he's hitched to what happens with Aaron Rodgers, right? Is Aaron Rodgers going to stay in green Bay? Is he going to move on to Denver? Does Adams move with him? Does green Bay franchise him if they lose Aaron Rodgers? So Jordan love had something to throw the ball to. Unfortunately for Adams, he's pretty much at Green Bay's mercy because they could franchise him. Now, he could say, hey, if you franchise me, I'm holding out until the bitter end. That could very well be a move that he tries to take. We'll have to see exactly how that comes to fruition. But Rodgers moving on does not necessarily mean that Adams will also get the opportunity to move on as much as he probably would want to because this is going to be his last opportunity to get a multi-year deal. There's another big reason why he doesn't get franchise tag. You know, Devontae Adams, he's still in his prime right now, but he's 29 years old. This is going to be the last time he can get a mega million, you know, multi-year type of contract. What does that mean for fantasy purposes? We're really not going to know until the whole Aaron Rodgers of it all clarifies itself. And if you're in dynasty leagues right now and you're thinking like, well, I don't know what's going to happen. Should I trade Devontae Adams while he has you know, a a 50-50 perception shot of Aaron Rodgers coming back, my answer to that is no. Because whoever you try to trade with is going to have that same mindset where they're not going to want to give up a premium price without knowing if Aaron Rodgers is going to be in Green Bay and where Adams may or may not be as a result after that. So I think your best bet is just to stay tight, see what happens, and then reevaluate from there. Because I don't think you're going to get a good price for him anyway. And he's still a tremendous talent wide receiver. Worst case scenario, Rodgers does move on. Jordan Love becomes starting quarterback. Adams still sitting there all by himself for targets. Will it be as good as it was at Rodgers? Probably not. Will he still be a guy because of his talents and that volume be somewhere around a low-end wide receiver one, high-end wide receiver two? I would think that would be his floor. Now we get to talk about Stephon Diggs. The number five guy, wide receiver grade, consistency-wise, 65% of the time inside the top 24. So Stephon Diggs has this perception that he was disappointing, right? Because he was so good last year. It was him and Adams. It was depending upon what format you were playing in, but he could he was in some formats like PPR. He was the wide receiver one overall in half point. He was right there neck and neck with Devontae. And it just felt like... You never really quite got the same level of production this season. But when you actually look at this thing, he scored as the wide receiver seven overall. And as you can see, as far as his finishes are concerned, he is a top five wide receiver. So if you drafted him as the number one receiver or as the number two receiver, are you a little disappointed? Maybe, but you can't be that disappointed with a guy who is still a wide receiver one at the end of the day. And was good for you more times than not. The, the big difference was he didn't have nearly as many top five finishes as he did last season. He only had one, which means he didn't have as many games where he won you the week like he was in 2020. 
And that was where I think a lot of the, the perception of the disappointment goes down. But volume-wise, was still there. He had 166 targets in 2020. He had 164 last year. There's only two less targets. The difference was the catch rate. It went way down. He had 127 receptions on 166 targets in 2020. That reduced to 103 receptions this past year. So you saw a significant drop-off in receptions. You saw a significant drop-off in yards, over 1,500 yards to just over 1,200 yards. That was the main differences. But I think this would shock most people. He actually had two more touchdowns in 2021 than he did in 2020. He had 10 touchdowns to eight. He was still part of the offense. He just didn't get you those 100-yard games. He only had two 100-yard games this past year. And I do all that to say this. Look, Emmanuel Sanders is probably going to be gone. Cole Beasley is likely to be a salary cap casualty at the very least. Yes, Gabriel Davis is there, but Stephon Diggs has always been able to thrive with a secondary wide receiver. In fact, he probably needs one. The offense is not going to change much, even though they lost Brian Dable because they promoted quarterback coach Ken Dorsey to be the offensive coordinator who Josh Allen wanted. I don't think they're going to screw up with the formula that's not broken. So everything stems towards Stefan Diggs being able to duplicate and withstand this kind of volume. And if you're going to give me a wide receiver with his ability, and you're going to tell me he's going to get me 160 plus targets as long as he stays healthy for the season, then I'm going to tell you he's a wide receiver one. Give me that guy. So I'm not withering on my Stefan Diggs stance and very much should be in the argument of top five receivers moving forward in 2022 and should still be considered a wide receiver one in Dynasty because he's still in his prime as well. The next group of wide receivers, I actually want to talk about three receivers on this next part. Mike Evans, Antonio Brown, and Chris Godwin. So as you can see there, Mike Evans comes in at number six. On our consistency grades, 63% of the time, finished in the top 24. And then right behind him, tied, were his two teammates. Antonio Brown at 57% and Chris Godwin also at 57%. So both tying for the wide receiver seven as far as their consistency grade. Now, Antonio Brown, as far as any kind of value in the future for him, yes, that basically goes out the window. It just shows you how valuable these Tampa Bay Buccaneer receivers were on a points-per-game basis. All three of them were top 12 wide receivers. All three of them on a points-per-game basis were wide receiver ones. Now what's going to happen? No Tom Brady. We have no idea who the starting quarterback of the Tampa Bay is going to be. There, you know, There's rumors of trades happening. The Jimmy Garoppolo thing, I don't buy. He, his style doesn't fit what Bruce Arians really wants to have. I know they did it with Tom Brady, but that was Tom Brady. One thing I will give Mike Evans is that whether he's had good quarterback play or bad quarterback play, he's had 1,000 yards every single year of his career. That is something special. I still think they should give another shot to Jameis Winston, bring him back. Like, hey, you know what? Winston, he got to learn under Drew Brees and Sean Payton and the Saints. He clearly made a conscious effort to be more careful with the football last season. Why not try to see if you can combine that with, you know, your weapons and being aggressive? I don't know. We'll see. I feel like James Winston would be a cheap option from the go-to. He already knows the offense, and I can't see them turning this thing over to Kyle Trask. I just, I just don't see that happening. Not with Bruce Arians who might be on his last year, if not last two years 
of being a head coach, I believe, in the league. So it's going to be hard. I mean, look, you're not going to be able to trade him for much in Dynasty, or at least not at the value that you'd want to trade him unless you just want to get out. I wouldn't do that. Mike Evans, Chris Godwin have been too good to just bail out on. But this is going to be a conversation that we're going to be coming back to repeatedly throughout the year, throughout the offseason, as we get more clarity as for what's going on. I do want to make one note about Chris Godwin, though. He's been the year, he's been in the league now for four years. He has not played a full season. Or I'm sorry, I read this note wrong. He hasn't played a full season in four years. Basically, so since he's become a full-time starter, Chris Godwin has not made it through a full season healthy. Now, we're not talking about a significant amount of games that he's missing. It's two to four games, depending upon the year. But just kind of a quick note to put in there. There is some injury proneness to Chris Godwin where you have to pretty much compensate that you're going to miss a couple of games when you take a guy like that. But just a quick note that I kind of wanted to throw out there. I think a lot, not a lot of people shed light on. Let's talk about our next guy. Brandon Cooks. Wide receiver nine. Number nine overall when it comes to consistency grade. He tied. He's in a three-way tie with Deontay Johnson and Keenan Allen. All three of those guys, 56% of the time, they were able to finish inside the top 24 and help you win your matchups. But when it comes to Brandon Cooks in particular, it's kind of impressive what he was able to do, right? Overall, he was a wide receiver 20. So his consistency grade is actually much higher than what he scored at, which kind of just tells you he wouldn't have as many big games. And in fact, he only had one top five game. He had that rough patch that I think a lot of people remember between weeks 11 through 13, where the Texans were kind of switching back and forth between Tyrod Taylor. They were trying to bring him back off his injury. They sat Davis Mills, who hadn't really been playing well up until that point either. But during that three-game stretch, Houston went full run. Went full run. Or to quote Tropic Thunder, went full tard. You never go full tard. They just ran a ball. Taylor didn't have more than 26 pass attempts during that stretch. So it's no wonder there's a correlation between Cooks being a complete bust during those three games and what really hindered his overall finish at the end of the season. Because after that, Davis Mills comes back in, takes over the job, and Brandon Cooks was once again a solid wide receiver to asset the rest of the way with a couple of top 12 finishes sprinkled in here and there. What happens next year? Well, Cooks is going to be there. Worst case scenario, Davis Mills is going to be there. I know Lovey Smith took over and Pep Hamilton took over. We're a couple of weeks away from having our coaching changes fantasy impact episode where we're going to kind of get into scheme and our overall our overall expectations of pace of play and how we Chris and I, he'll be back on that show on how we think, you know, all these players are kind of fit into their new systems that are coming in with the coaches and how it's going to affect them. But for Brandon Cooks, a lot of things stay the same. I mean, unless the Houston Texans bring in somebody, there's a very good chance he's going to be the clear cut throat, number one targeted weapon for them to go to. Not just targeted pass catcher, but the number one offensive weapon that they have for a team that once again will be bad next season. 
So maybe you don't get a lot of those top, you know, week winning games, but you will get a guy who should have a pretty good floor almost every single week and should be a wide receiver too, at the very least, almost every single week. And he did it this past year. And it was abysmal this past year. But again, still comes to my number nine receiver. Now, I talked about Deontay Johnson, Keenan Allen. They both tie with Brandon Cooks for that ninth spot. Deontay Johnson, you know, right away, your number one question is, who's the next quarterback in Pittsburgh? Is it Rudolph? I'll say this. In, in the one start Rudolph had this past year, week nine, he had 13 targets in that game. So you can make the argument at least, you know, if, Mason, if it is Mason Rudolph, Maybe he's not much better as far as getting the ball down the field as it was with Ben Roethlisberger, but the argument can be made. He at least knows who he needs to get the ball to. That That's at least there. Uh, in 2019, which was the last time Mason Rudolph had a start, and he had a, that was his rookie season, but he had to start significantly more from weeks three through weeks 12 that year that Mason Rudolph was a starter. Deontay Johnson was only the wide receiver 45. But that again, that was a couple years ago. Rudolph was a rookie during that time frame. Deontay Johnson wasn't quite Deontay Johnson yet. But a lot of things are up in the air with Deontay when it comes to figuring out who the quarterback's going to be when you're trying to look at this and say, who's going to be the next dynasty? Who, what's his good dynasty value going to be? What do we want to value him at in 2022? And whatever quarterback comes in, well, he targeted him at the rate that Ben Roethlisberger did, which was a tremendous rate. And the same thing can be said with Keenan Allen. A lot of his stuff, when you're looking forward, you know, it's, it's kind of contingent on what happens this offseason. Mike Williams is a franchise candidate. We'll see if that actually comes to fruition. Keenan Allen does turn 30 this year. And I know a lot of people look at the 30 age and say, well, that, that's, that's the cliff. That's when we have to start moving on these guys, especially from a dynasty standpoint. But here's what I'll say about Keenan Allen and, and wide receivers in general who fit his mold. Guys that depend on their route running ability to get open, to be productive, their solid hands to catch the ball. Those type of guys age a bit more gracefully, can play a little bit longer. It's why I do believe that Antonio Brown, if he wasn't such a freak show, probably would be a type of guy who could play till he's 35. Jerry Rice. I know Jerry Rice is one of the greatest of all time, but Jerry Rice was able to play till he was like 40 and be effective, again, because he leaned on his route running to get him open. Larry Fitzgerald, another uh, another good example. So when it, guys, when it comes to Keenan Allen, I think you're talking about a guy who can, as long as he stays healthy, have another two, three good seasons in him without it being too much of an issue. So I don't necessarily move off of him in Dynasty. He doesn't he hit 30 and, and hits my, you know, sell now list. That's not really the case because of how he's productive. And regardless of whether they bring Mike Williams back or not, he's going to be the number one target. And he's number eleven a receiver again. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back on the other side, we got a lot more to discuss, a lot more to get through. So everybody stay tuned to the MD's Fantasy Football Show on Belly Up TV at bellyup.tv, powered by Tiki Live. We'll be back right after this. Exciting news just came across from our friends at Manscaped. They just launched their fourth-generation performance package. This ultimate package includes the Lawnmower 4.0. You heard that right, the 4.0. Manscaped, the leaders in male grooming, have done it again to make your grooming game next level. Join the 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with the new performance package 4.0. By going to manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping with the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY. The Performance Package 4.0 by Manscaped has arrived, and oh man, it was worth the wait. Inside this package, you'll find our Lawmower 4.0 trimmer, weed whacker, ear and nose hair trimmer, crop preserver ball deodorant, crop reviver toner, performance boxer briefs, and a travel bag to hold all your goodies. Get 20% off and free shipping with the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY at manscaped.com. Your balls have been through enough this past year, so treat them with the best tools for the job from Manscaped. And welcome back, MD Nation, to the show. You are watching the MD's Fantasy Football Show on Belly Up TV at BellyUp.TV, powered by Tiki Live, available to you on any device that you have that has a web browser, or you can download us on your Roku devices when you go to the Belly Up Sports channel. Make sure to check us out after the show on your favorite podcast app and subscribe to the MD's Fantasy Football Show on YouTube so that way you never miss any of our content. By the way, we're on TikTok, too. We like to do a lot of clips on there for you guys. And follow us on social media at Show. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater. We're going over our wide receiver consistency grades here. Talking a little bit about a 20, 2021 recap, 2022 value, dynasty value. Early on in the process, we got a lot more to go, man, because we got... Oh, we got free agency coming up soon. The scouting combine. We'll be having our draft special again this year, both that Thursday night and Friday night. The first three rounds, a bunch of guests. We'll be talking about that. Just a lot of things to look forward to on the MD's Fantasy Football Show that we're now officially all year. Yes, in the offseason, it's just one episode a week, but we'll be back to five a week come September. So let's continue on this list here. And I want to get to my number 12 guy, which is DeAndre Hopkins. Now, of course, yes, he only played 10 games, but half of those games he finished inside the top 24 and probably would have finished more than that had he not played through so many games injured. But if you remember back in August, DeAndre Hopkins was one of my, I don't know, bus candidates is what we label him as. It's not really the correct term to use 
for him, it was more of my ranking was much lower than ECR and ADP heading into the season. One of my concerns that I cited for DeAndre Hopkins was that he had been somebody who had been getting plagued by a lot of little nagging injuries over the past few seasons before he got to Arizona. And he had always managed to find a way to play, right? Manages to find a way to play. He is able to just get through it. Even if he's hurt, he's able to be out there. And it didn't seem to hinder his production all that much. But this was finally the year where he started missing a few games as a result of it and learned, frankly, early on, hamstring injuries are not some of these ankle and knee issues that he dealt with in the past. You can't just play through a hamstring injury. Ask Julio Jones. So it kind of cut off to him a little bit. On a per-game basis, if you want to look at it that way, because he only played 10 games, he was still wide receiver 20. So even on a per-game basis, he's a bit of a disappointment because this is a guy that you have come accustomed to being a wide receiver one, a top 12 guy. And that just wasn't the case this past season. He's turning 30 this year. He's been hindered by nagging injuries. He's a complete wide receiver. Don't get me twisted. But unlike Keenan Allen, who has been a while since he's been significantly injured, I don't know if DeAndre Hopkins is going to age as gracefully as a Keenan Allen. I would actually potentially value Keenan Allen a bit more long-term. Not, not 2022. I'm going to have Hopkins ranked ahead. Don't worry. I'm going to have Hopkins ranked ahead of Allen 2022. I'm not psycho. But long-term, I think there's a better chance Keenan Allen, who only leans on his route running ability, where Hopkins does lean on his physical ability a bit to make his plays, especially in the red zone, but he might age a little bit more gracefully. It's just going to be an interesting situation. So Hopkins is somebody who I would contemplate trading in a dynasty league. Look, there's some uncertainty for Kyler Murray, not necessarily for him being the quarterback for Arizona in 2022. I don't think there's really any uncertainty about that, just the way the contract works out and everything else. But if he continues to not be happy with Arizona, if they don't get this extension done, and Hopkins is starting to age out, He's in a situation where you can get premium value for him now because the situation technically is not going to change this year. Unlike a Keenan Allen, where there are still some things kind of up in the air, if they're going to bring somebody else in or keep Mike Williams or, or, or whatnot, what have you. And Hawkins being viewed as a legitimate mid-level wide receiver one. I think there's value to be had there. I think it's interesting to entertain a trade. Now, don't hear what I'm not saying. And this goes, anytime I suggest somebody might be a worthy sell-high candidate, please listen to this message. I am not telling you to go out there and trade him for whatever you can get and abandon ship. That's not what I'm saying. If a deal makes sense for your team in your situation, Hopkins is a guy that I would not mind entertaining the idea of moving on from. That's more my point. But in his 10 games, he does come in as my wide receiver 12. Technically tied with Mike Williams, both tied there at wide receiver 12. But Mike Williams is a different story, right? Now, as far as his future is concerned, we got to see what team he winds up with. But just give a little 2021 recap on Mike Williams. Weeks one through five, Mike Williams was the wide receiver one. 
let that wash over for you for a second. Because unless you had Mike Williams in that first beginning part of the season, I don't know if a lot of people realize that he was more productive than Cooper Cup the first five weeks of the year. Just let that wash over you for a split second. More productive than Cooper Cup. He tweaks his knee. Now, he only winds up missing one game the entire season. And maybe he was never 100% healthy the rest of the year. But the second he tweaks his knee, he wasn't the same player. From week 6 through 18, he was the wide receiver 29, which is what he has been the majority of his career. A wide receiver 3, who sometimes can get the job done. Maybe that is what he is. Because this knee thing is something that's plagued him his entire career. Whether it's made him miss time or just play hindered, it has been something that has affected him almost every single year in his NFL career. I don't know that just disappears. I think you have to put that into your consideration, put that into your projections when evaluating a Mike Williams. I think we saw the best he could ever possibly be those first five weeks of the season. After that, he was never really quite that 1B to Keenan Allen's 1A again. In fact, he had a month-long stretch where he was like five targets and two receptions for, I think it was three or four straight games. That was directly after he tweaked the knee. He started to get a little bit more involved as far as the target goes after that. And of course, the last game of the year when Keenan Allen really couldn't play, he had like 17 targets and nine receptions and he went crazy against the Raiders. But that's not generally what he's been. I think you have to value Mike Williams in 2022 the same way he's been valued the past couple of seasons. A wide receiver three who's got boom or bust value. And see where it goes from there. But what, man, was he just a tale of two seasons last year? Here's another interesting guy. Hunter Renfro. So he comes in at my wide receiver 14. He's in a three-way tie at that position as far as finishing the top 24, 47% of the time, that's the same as Jamar Chase. That's the same as Michael Pittman. So that that's the company Hunter Renfro is in. Now, with Renfro, I feel like he's going to be a hard guy to evaluate because he did have such a good season, especially if you were in PPR. He, he finished even higher than wide receiver 14. I don't have that in front of me at the moment, but we base this on half-point PPR. Weeks 1 through 12, he was a wide receiver 23. Because outside of Darren Waller, he's the next targeted wide receiver. There's, there's no doubt about that. So he was still a productive low-end wide receiver too, while Darren Waller was playing, and he was effectively the second pass catcher that you would key in on as a defense. Now, Waller goes down after week 12. Weeks 13 through 17, before Waller comes back in that last week, He's the wide receiver eight. So that's where the big jump happens with Hunter Renfro. So the best thing would be you evaluate him as a high and wide receiver three, low and wide receiver two. The Josh McDaniels addition to that team is going to be interesting as the new head coach. And I think there's a reason why he actually took this Raiders job on like the Colts job. He's got all the pieces to run his offense that he was running in New England. Right, Derek Carr is not Tom Brady, but Derek Carr is an accurate dink and dunk quarterback. 
Hunter Renfro can be his Wes Walker, his Julian Elliman guy over the middle. Darren Waller is his Gronk, his Aaron Hernandez, his tight end who's super productive. And he has a good running back. You can make the argument he's got two because Jacobs and Kenyon Drake, that's a pretty good team to have in your backfield. Remember, Drake's still under contract. He's not going anywhere just because the new regime came in, at least not for one more season, most likely. We'll see if they're able to persuade him into taking a, you know, a, a, a pay cut. We'll see. But I would lean towards Kenyon Drake still being a Raider heading into next year. So he has all the pieces to kind of run his Patriot Josh Menino offense. And oddly enough, it sets up to where all the players that were featured last year would get featured again. So from a productivity standpoint, that's one coaching change. When we talk about that in a couple of weeks, I don't know if it's going to have a big impact as far as statistics go. Maybe how their use changes a little bit to a degree, but not their overall production for fantasy purposes. I don't believe but when Darren Waller's in there, don't get overly excited about Hunter Renfro. Maybe value him more than what he was. Because last season, I think going into it, he I don't believe he was in most people's top wide receiver 36s. I know he wasn't in my top 36. Or if he was, actually, I take that back. I think he actually was like going wide receiver 34. He was like in my borderline top 36. But he should be valued closer to that wide receiver 2 range unless the Raiders add on another significant impactful wide receiver this season but knowing how josh Daniels operates there's a good chance that doesn't happen and hunter runfro will be featured as that main underneath guy in with darren waller as josh mcdaniels will do what he does best which is attack the short middle part of the field so i think runfro somebody's gonna be very interesting as we go through this entire offseason obviously everybody wants to talk about jamar chase you know, he was, he finishes the wide receiver five overall as far as scoring goes. Now, so why does he come in so much lower at my wide receiver 15? Suggesting that maybe his value as far as the overall the season, his consistency is more of a wide receiver two than it was a wide receiver one. Well, look, he had a lot of big games, right? And if you had a Jamar Chase in the playoffs, you won a championship. Congratulations with video game like numbers, both. You know, everyone remembers the 262-yard performance in the championship week. But week 16, the week before, he had a huge week that week, too. He blew up in the most pivotal part of the fantasy season, and he was great to watch throughout the postseason. So Jamar Chase is going to be a wide receiver one, drafted next year, both 2022 and Dynasty. And I'm not making an argument that he shouldn't be. In fact, he should be everyone's number one receiver in startup Dynasty Leagues. That's number one. And in 2022, I have a hard time imagining he's not going to be in my top five or at the very least very close to it. But there is an element of inconsistency with Jamar Chase. 53% of the time, he finishes outside that top 24, accompanied with four busts. Now, I haven't talked about busts finishes too much because we're talking about our, our top echelon receivers so far at this point. But I... Running backs and wide receivers, I grade as busts if they're 49th or higher as far as where they finished at their position. So Jamar Chase finished as the wide receiver 49 or worse, meaning wide receiver 50, 51, 52, four times last year. And then four other times he finished outside the top 24. 
which is what makes his non-start percentage, and he winds up being a little more than 53% of the time, he's outside of that. So, look, he had a great season, a rookie record-setting season. It's going to be hard for him to outproduce what he did his rookie year. Look at Justin Jefferson. He, Justin Jefferson had a great second year. Still wasn't able to outproduce what he did his rookie year just because it was so ridiculous. But to combine with that notion, T. Higgins, remember, he had a rough start to the year. In weeks 1 through 9, T. Higgins was the wide receiver 41. Weeks 11 through 15 which is when Jamar Chase had a little bit of a rough patch, and that's where a lot of this inconsistency winds up coming from at the end of the day. He was wide receiver 10. While he was wide receiver 10, Jamar Chase during that month stretch was wide receiver 25. So still good, just wasn't the wide receiver one. He was other parts of the season because T. Higgins was a top 10 wide receiver during that time. That would be my one concern about drafting Jamar Chase too high next year. Because remember, Teehing is a very talented wide receiver. And I think it stands to reason that you can make the argument that it won't take him quite as long next year to get going. Now, that it could be a moot point. Because as the season wore on, what happened? Well, they turned the offense over to Joe Burrow more and more and more and more and just allowed the offense to flow through him rather than having it flow through Joe Mixon like they were in the early part of the season as Joe Burrow was trying to get back from his knee injury. If that winds up being the case, then you should be able to make every comparison, every argument in the world that this particular duo should be able to walk hand-in-hand hand with other historical duos that finish both inside the top 10 wide receivers. Both should be able to finish as wide receiver once. There's no doubt in my mind that will happen if they continue to let Joe Burrow, for the Russell Wilson term, cook. Which I don't see why that wouldn't happen, barring injury. So it may all be a moot point, but T. Higgins' presence does give me a cautionary tear as far as what Jamar Chase's value truly is heading into 2022. As you look at the stretches of when he went off and when he didn't. Now, Michael Pittman... Also, 47% of the time, finishing in the top 24, 53% of the time just outside of it. Most of this is volume-based, right? Now, we don't know exactly what's happening with the quarterback issue. Carson Wentz, they may be moving on from him. Maybe not. I'm going to make this quick comment. I did this during the quarterback consistency grades, too, because I mentioned it then. And it stands to reason today. We're a few weeks later from that. Uh, yeah, it still doesn't make any sense for me that the Colts would move on. You can't just cut a guy after you gave up a first-round pick to get him. What quarterback are you going to get that's better? First of all, you don't have the draft capital to get anybody. There's nobody to draft this season. They're not one of the teams really rumored, not in any kind of serious way, for the Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, Jimmy Garoppolo's of the world, even Kirk Cousins. So what are you going to get that's better than Carson Wentz? I don't see a scenario unless somebody just trades for Wentz because they decide they want Wentz, which I don't necessarily see happening. I don't see a scenario in which Wentz is not starting quarterback next year. And if he's not, I don't necessarily envision a scenario as of today that he's going to be better. So we have to watch how this whole thing plays out. I'm going to lean on right now that it is going to be Carson Wentz. 
The big thing about Michael Pittman is that I don't know if he's a true number one alpha male guy in offense. I don't know if he's the anchor wide receiver. He reminds me a lot of Adam Thielen. And Adam Thielen had years where he produced like a wide receiver one. And I, I not, that's why I'm not saying that Michael Pittman can't produce like a wide receiver one at some point in his career. Because we haven't really tapped his touchdown potential. And I think adding another weapon, effective weapon that is, would be beneficial for him. Because like at Adam Thielen, I think he'd be better suited if you could move him around a little bit, allow him to play the big slot wide receiver. He likes to get down and dirty in the running game. He likes to do a little bit of everything. He's the big bodied guy. I think as like a 1B to a 1A, that would be the dream scenario for Michael Pittman. Are they able to do that? Actually, his numbers would be more efficient if that happens. But even if it doesn't, you'll have the benefit of having the volume. But I'm a little bit curious to see there is some flux in what the Colts look like moving forward. We talked about Adam Thielen. Let's talk about him now. So he came in at wide receiver 17 for me on my consistency grades. 46% of the time, he finished in the top 24. 54% he was outside of that. That's actually tied with Russell Gage, believe it or not. And they both played 13 games. So it's a pretty even comparison. Kind of weird to think about when you're throwing Russell Gage's name in there. Now, I don't care about Russell Gage dynasty or 2022. So we're not going to talk about him. Just going to focus on Adam Thielen. He was wide receiver 18 on a points per game basis. I wanted to do it all for that since he played uh, 13 games. So he's been what he usually is. He's a wide receiver too. Now he's getting a little bit older. It, it did seem like this past year, these injuries and his age were starting to catch up with him a little bit. But like I talked about with Justin Jefferson, I don't see this offense changing much. And Adam Thielen, and I'll, this was one of the ones I got wrong. He was one of my top guys that I thought were a bus candidate based on where I had him ranked in comparison to ECR and ADP. Now, the reason for that was I thought there was no way his 5.2% touchdown rate that he had in 2020 would be maintained again in 2021. I thought there would be some regression. Remember, he had 14 touchdowns in 2020. I expected there to be some regression. Well, yes, he had... And numbers-wise, 10 touchdowns to 14, but again, he played in less games. His touchdown rate was higher. <laughs> he had a 6.7 touchdown rate. So he had a higher, and a significantly higher touchdown rate than he had in 2020. Is he touchdown dependent? Yes. His yards per reception went way down. They were at 12.5, and it wound up being at 10.8 this past year. He didn't look as explosive. Could that be because he wasn't quite 100%? Of course, that's possible. But he needs those touchdowns, I think, to maintain his fantasy value. Having that touchdown rate is very unlikely, but it is also within the realm of possibility that that's just going to be his role. Jeff Justin Jefferson, your job is to hit the big play and to move the chains. And Adam Thielen, you're our go-to guy because of your sure-footedness and hands in the red zone. That may not change. So I think Adam Thielen is somebody who's going to have to be considered a low-end wide receiver two, high-end wide receiver three. I still wouldn't say he's a mid-level wide receiver two because I don't want to draft a guy whose value is based on his touchdown performance. 
and doesn't have much of a floor when he doesn't score touchdowns. So I'd be a little bit leery of that because those are the guys that usually wind up being bust candidates. And I may change my, I'm going to put this out there right now. I may change my tune on this as we get closer to this season. Adam Thielen could wind up on my bust list again because of that reason. But it's impressive that he was able to maintain his touchdown proudness. And maybe while he's there and healthy and Justin Jefferson is the main go-to guy, maybe those roles will stay intact now that we have two years back-to-back of that being the case. So Adam Thielen is just somebody I wanted to throw out there. I wanted to admit that I was wrong on him, but also kind of interesting in what he was able to do. But let's keep moving along here. we got a few more minutes. There's a few guys that I do want to talk about. I would quickly want to talk about Robert Woods. He came in at my wide receiver 19 as far as consistency grade. He only played nine games. But I think there's a big, I think there's a big divide here on perception versus reality, which is really what these episodes are kind of about, identifying those players when it comes to a Robert Woods. People who had Robert Woods, now no doubt he had a couple of really bad games. I'm looking at it now. He had two bus games where he finishes as a wide receiver 49 or worst. But I think there's this perception that he just wasn't good at all with the exception of one or two games because Cooper Cup was eating everything up. That really wasn't the case. He didn't have any top five finishes, but he had two top 12 finishes, two finishes where he was in, it, two wide receiver two finishes and one flex finish or wide receiver three finish, depending upon how you want to look at it. He was good in his finishes almost half the time despite the really cold start that he got off to. And it just, I will point that out with, with OBJ's injury now, regardless of whether OBJ returns, he's probably not going to play most of the regular season. So Robert Wood should be able to come back and resume his role. And by the way, the latest news update on Robert Woods is that he may be cleared by minicamp. Now, I don't know if he really will or not be, but that is right now the trajectory that he could be cleared by minicamp. At the very least, we'll probably see him come OTAs. So he should be 100% healthy come week one. He's still a very good wide receiver. He'll have a little more familiar familiarity with Matt Stafford. As I point out, Cooper Cup, it's very likely defenses will have more of a concerted game plan to take Cup away that may allow Woods to have more one-on-ones. But my more overall point is this. He finishes his 19th in my consistency grades, and on a points-per-game basis, he was the 19th wide receiver. He was still a wide receiver, too. And he's a guy that, because of his perception, will likely be drafted his ADP as a wide receiver three, maybe even a low-end wide receiver three that people aren't very excited by. He was never a guy who moved the needle a tremendous amount to begin with. And when you add on top of it the perception of being way more disappointing than not, which actually wasn't the case, he's somebody you might be able to get who's actually a wide receiver two in that low-end wide receiver three, maybe, dare I say, even high-end wide receiver four territory, depending upon how the narrative goes throughout the summer with him coming off the injury. So somebody to watch out for, which is why I wanted to mention him. The other guy I want to make sure we get to is C.D. Lamb. So he's just in my next spot down. He's he's my 20th wide receiver as far as consistency grade. Had the same percent. There's a, there's a four-way tie or five-way tie for really that 44% start mark 
It's Woods. It's CeeDee Lamb. It's Jalen Waddle. It's Marquise Brown. And it's Tyler Lockett. There's a five-way tie there, really, for that wide receiver 19 and consistency grade. But let's talk about CeeDee Lamb. So I think some people were a little bit disappointed by CeeDee Lamb because we thought he had the potential to boom into that top 12, that wide receiver one status. And I do think that had a chance to happen with Dak Prescott's return. And I don't think that was something that was out of the realm of, you know, probably the wrong word to use, but it was definitely a reasonable argument to make that CeeDee Lamb had the potential to pop. Now, it didn't really wind up happening. Overall scoring, he finishes the wide receiver 18, pretty close to where his consistency grade was. It was weird, right? Because Cooper did drop. A lot of people thought if Cooper dropped, that would be the ascension of CeeDee Lamb. The reason it doesn't want it working out that way is Michael Gallup goes down. Now you think, well, that's more targets, but that wasn't actually the case. What would happen is the slot receiver, the middle of the field, I should say, became the primary targeted area for Dak Prescott. That's all we saw at the end of the season. We saw a few flash games from Cedric Wilson after Gallup got hurt because CeeDee Lamb had to bounce back to the outside and was suddenly forgotten about. That is in direct correlation to that. Direct correlation to that. Dalton Schultz remained relevant all year. Wasn't really expecting that, especially when Michael Gallup got back healthy. He never really truly went away. And like I said, whoever the slot receiver was got a bunch of targets. For those few weeks that Michael Gallup came back and Amari Cooper was healthy, CeeDee Lamb was seeing all kinds of volume. But he didn't have those big finishes that we were looking to see. He had two top five finishes, one other finish inside the top 12. But I think the wide receiver three breakout, which is a real thing, by the way, I think is very much in the realm of possibility for C.D. Lamb heading into next season, even if Amari Cooper does return, which it does look like that is going to be the case. We're running out of time. Unfortunately, I'm going to have to cut the show there. There are there were other guys I wanted to talk about. Remember, when this consistency grade series is done, I'm going to have all these guys and their grades and their finishes up on the BillFantasySports.com website, which you should be checking out for content anyway. Make sure you're following us on social media at Show. Subscribe to our YouTube channel and download us on your favorite podcast app. We'll be back all throughout the week on BellyUp. TV, one of the best 24-7 sports talk channels out there with fresh takes, all original content. Come check it out. Bellyup.tv, powered by Tiki Live. I'm your host, Dan Mater, and I'll see you guys again soon. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 